Are you ready for the most ridiculous internet sports show you have ever seen? Welcome to React, home of the most outrageous and hilarious videos the web has to offer. So join me, Rocky Theus, and my co-host, Raiders Pro Bowl defensive end, Max Crosby, as we invite your favorite athletes, celebrities, influencers, entertainers in for an episode of games, laughs, and of course, the funniest reactions to the wildest web clips out there. Catch Reacts on YouTube, and that is Reacts, R-E-A-X-X. Don't miss it. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Regressing to the mean since 2015. It's the Hockey Pediocast with your host, Dmitry Filipovich. Hockeypediocast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and sitting across from me on a nice, comfy, plush yellow couch is my good buddy Ailish Forfar. Ailish, what's going on? Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here with you, and welcome to Toronto. Yeah, it's a blast. We're recording this on a Friday afternoon. We have some technical issues, so we've been kind of sitting around the studio waiting <laughs> to make it happen, but hopefully it's all sorted out. We're coming in nice and crisp through your headphones <laughs> or speaker or however yeah. you're choosing to listen at home. Um, it's kind of a interesting part of the year because I equate it to like preparing for like a final exam or something in, in terms of the preseason where you're like cramming as much information as you can. You're trying to make your predictions, your previews, you're sort of trying to figure out what the season's going to look like. And then once it starts, it's like really cathartic because you just sort of just like get to sit back and finally watch the games. Now, for us as content producers and, and for myself running this podcast, it's kind of tough figuring out what to make of the first couple of days of the season because like you don't want to come on here and have crazy hot takes mm-hmm. about oh this team sucks or this team's gonna win the cup like, or this oh player's gonna yeah I'll write them off exactly but at the same time um you know we want to keep giving the people what they want we want to keep giving them shows we want to keep providing analysis so we're gonna we're gonna have some fun with it we're gonna kind of embrace the uncertainty and sort of um on today's episode focus on what's happened over the first couple of days of the year and then maybe try to figure out what's legitimate and going to actually sustain itself through the rest of the season and what's kind of just like a one or two game aberration where it's just mayhem at the start of the year and we'll see how it goes. Uh, what, have, what have you been watching so far at the start of the year? What, what's kind of caught your eye for the first few days? Well, we were talking about those first two games were such high intensity, fast pace, felt like and they had been practicing all summer and clearly were hitting their prime. All these teams we saw like 74 goals in two, two nights. Really amazing to watch that. Um, but then there's a couple boring games we, we'd mentioned. But yeah. I think the teams that are supposed to be firing at full cylinders are. Um, like I thought the the Leafs had a great debut. I mean, obviously here in Toronto you're kind of – You're contractually obligated. Yeah, I got to say that. Right? But I think 
watching what's happened in the first two nights, it's very promising, but you know, there, there might be a lull, but we've been spoiled. Yeah, we have. Yeah. And it seems like every, every year at the start, everyone's citing the, what word do you say? It was like 74 goals or yeah, something through the so first two days of the season. Games. I don't even know if that's a lot. It just felt like a lot. It does. Watching these games, especially, it feels like, like when there's like five games on at once, mm-hmm. they're just trading goals back and forth. And I think every year we see this where teams come out of the gate, you score a lot of goals. It's kind of that like playground mentality. And then the coaches are going to have some tape to to really right. go over and comb through and then sit the players down and be like, yeah, you see this stuff over here? Might we're having too much fun. Zone a bit. Yeah, we're, we need to muck it up in the neutral boring. zone. We can't, we can't be having fun. And, and right. so as the air gets going, and especially as like competition heats up and people start thinking about the playoffs, I feel like... Uh, you know, the mentality changes a little bit, but the start of the year is always fun. I'm kind of curious because it's it's great having a, a player such as yourself on the show because you can actually provide sort of like <laughs> functional insights into stuff as opposed right. to someone like myself who's, who's never played the game. I'll but try. <laughs> I, what's the sort of mindset or, or mentality at the start of a season like this where I think we see it's on a case-by-case basis a little bit where some teams, I guess, maybe out of necessity, like the Jets, for example, I noticed yesterday were just playing their top guys like Shafley and Wheeler mm-hmm. and Morrissey pretty much as much as they could. And maybe that's because Paul Maurice just felt like he had to. Whereas some of these other teams, you see like the Bruins, for example, I noticed like their first line was only playing 16, 17 right. minutes against the Stars. And I imagine, especially with maybe the older players, you probably don't want to like push them too hard out of the gate because they probably weren't ramping it up in preseason as much, mm-hmm. right? Especially if you've been like a 10-year veteran, you're kind of just going through the motions, it's trying to stay healthy. It. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so I imagine there's some of that, whereas for a lot of these young players, you're probably like trying to make a name for yourself and this is your opportunity to shine to get more playing time down the road. Exactly. I think as if you look at being a veteran in the league, I think you're right with easing it in. But there is a lot of high expectations on these players. But what I've noticed, I mean, I was a rookie last season in the in a professional league and those first couple games (laughs) that doesn't exist anymore but still um the first couple games I think that nervous energy actually like works in your favor and I think we've seen that with a couple of these I don't know debut for for young kids your expectations are really low and it's almost like your your freshman year at college you go out there and you just try to make a name for yourself and I think that works in favor for a lot of these players like a Kale McCarr Mm -hmm. who came out and and obviously he had a couple games last year but this is his first like big right. year he's got a lot of pressure yeah. on him he's but he he shined and yeah. i think that's a lot of the mental game that these players will have especially at this professional level like they're able to come out and and put that aside and, and own that energy and and use it in a positive aspect and not be nervous whereas sometimes that when you're a veteran it's like the world's on your shoulders you you better bring this team to the stanley cup and that can be hard to i don't know move through right. and to perform at your highest but if you're coming in the league and it's your first year you have a little bit more leeway to to go out and do something and, and try and, and learn from your mistakes, right? Absolutely. I mean, we were talking before we went on the air, like the game we were focusing on on Thursday when there was all that madness and it was just a frantic pace was Carolina mm-hmm. and Montreal. And that did not feel like a first day no. of the season game. That amazing. felt like a down the stretch, maybe even a playoff series. And, and, you know, we'll see, I think, for those two teams to play each other in the playoffs, it Obviously, we expect Carolina to be there. Montreal mm-hmm. will have a bit of a tougher road considering the three teams ahead of them in their own division. But just the back and forth nature of that game and how relentless the pace was, I imagine for a lot of those young players, that's that's probably like a fun thing to step into and, and, and to play. And, and I think that kind of works in harmony with what you're saying in terms of that nervous energy where mm-hmm. it's like 
you don't really even have the opportunity to sort of sort of sit back and think right. you're probably hopping over the boards. You're coming back. You're trying to get a quick breather and you're back out there before you know it. No, it's got to be exciting. And if we think about the Montreal Carolina game, I think Carolina's atmosphere is something that's actually going to help them through those younger players. They've made it a fun experience. Mm-hmm. They've embraced the fanship that's kind of come from out of nowhere. Yep. And I think that would be an amazing place to play hockey on the road or as a Carolina Hurricane. Yep. And we saw that last night when the fans got into it. I think they were up to nothing and then uh, Montreal came back. Mm-hmm. And, and inter- inter- I feel like in the intermission, they had that conversation with their leaders on the team. Like, let's use the energy of our fans. Let's use the energy of this storm surge that we have brewing. Yep. And they came out and, and turned it around. I think we, you have to find a way to use that energy as a veteran or as a rookie to come out and make that change, and they did, and they end up having a shootout. Like, like that would must have been such a great environment to play in. Yeah. And think about how they can use that. Like, I mean, they had kind of a magical year last year, Carolina, and I feel like they have an opportunity to continue that because they've got something special there. Yeah. Not a lot of other teams have. That. I mean, Vegas has something similar right. I could compare it to, but those two places, I would love to go see a game in either of those places and, and embrace that environment. And it's so much different than like Scotiabank here. And it's awesome that it's like three of my favorite environments or, or vibes right now are in Carolina, mm-hmm. in Las Vegas, and in Nashville. And so it's cool. Like, it kind of really Places sticks, you really like, sticks hmm, to those traditionalists where it's hockey. like, you can't, this isn't a, this isn't a hockey, hockey town. It's like, no, it's, if you have a fun, entertaining product exactly. that's young and fast-paced and embrace what the NHL is all about, like, fans are going to care. Exactly. And I think that's actually something that the NHL can do so much better is, is own that, those markets that... Like Nashville, you're not growing up being like, I'm going to be a hockey player. Right. Or Carolina, I, I'm not really quite sure what goes on there. And Vegas, obviously, so far from being a hockey hotbed. But if you look at those places now, and they're being successful. Their product is improving because they're embracing their, I don't know, bandwagon. Right. And it's, it's, it's I'm going to use this word again, it's electric. Yeah. I, watching from my couch, I'm, I need to be there and I want to embrace it. And no wonder their teams are going to be successful is because they're going to have that riding from their fans. Yeah, no, it's great for the league, and it's obviously great for the sport, too, because I, you know, you mentioned they're not necessarily hotbeds, and if you're a kid growing up there, you're not thinking about it. But <laughs> if you're watching that team compete for a Stanley right. Cup and you're watching sort it's of the cool. entire league embrace it, I imagine you're probably like, hey, that looks pretty cool. Maybe sure. I'll try playing hockey, right? So it's uh, the more the more eyeballs and the more people we have playing the sport, the better. And it's fitting we're talking about that as there's a, a picture of, I think it's Trevor Van Reems, like dunking yeah, that's on a basketball sweet. hoop on the court, uh, framed on the wall beside you. So Bunch of jerks. Yeah, well, let's, let's stick with that game. I think for both of those teams, there's a couple things that I wanted to hit that I noticed from the start mm-hmm. of the season for them. And, you know, for Carolina, one of the things that I'm watching is, is Dougie Hamilton and to see if he can be a bit more unleashed. Now, I think he was fifth amongst Hurricanes defensemen in usage last night. So mm-hmm. it's kind of similar vibe to what yeah. we were talking about last year. And there's going to be a lot of sort of hand-wringing and wondering about why he's not playing more. But we saw the effect he can have on the power play where I think he directly set up a power play goal. Mm-hmm. And then there was a second one that, that he had an assist on that it was just as time it expired on the power play. And so then he has the shootout winner. I think he led the team in shots or was right up there with five shots on goal. And you just sort of see the impact he had and. On the one hand, it's like, if that's all he is, it's great. And the Hurricanes are blessed with probably the best depth on blue line right. on any team in the league, so they can afford to sort of do that. But on the other hand, maybe this is kind of like the fantasy owner in me speaking, <laughs> right. that it's like, 
ah, like imagine what this guy could do if he was playing just a couple more minutes mm-hmm. and was on the top unit power play and playing with the best players on the team. And I don't know, at this point, like he's been in the league long enough that maybe it's just like a thing that is not going to happen and we should just sort of embrace where he's already at. Well, it's interesting because I think trying to balance that, they do have a really deep back end, but and like look how much impact he had with his limited time. Yeah. It's, it's almost like finding that perfect cushion that you're not going to push him to to the point where he's going to degress, but he's at that perfect balance of of what you said fifth. Yeah, I think he was fifth. Yeah, like that's even, that's amazing that he had that impact though. Yeah, even Joel Edmondson played more than him at a five and five. Yeah. So you think if I, that's I think that's an omen to the coaching, being able to know how to get the best out of your players without the wear and tear mm. that they might need down the road yeah especially i think they're hoping they're gonna be playing another sure. 15 20 games come postseason you'd hope so yeah. so i think you look at it, it's obviously early we talked about this off the top we don't know what's gonna happen but if you can get that out of your fifth defenseman you're winning like i don't know many other lineups in the nhl that are going to be able to have their fifth defenseman making that much of an impact in in a game no so yeah i think that's a huge testament to coaching and development but there might be a time where they have to ask for more out of him and if that happens, you got to hope that there's no injuries down the road. Like your players are aging, you got to be right. smart about that. But I was excited to see that he was able to lead the way because yeah. you're right. It was like there's a lot of questions around what his production can be. But I mean, last night's was an awesome example of what you can expect at times. Yeah, it was kind of like that. I think that's what keeps people coming back for more in this whole mm-hmm. debate. It's like so tantalizing seeing what he can do um, when he's put in those situations. Mm-hmm. You know, on the other end of the ice. I really like the Canadians. I know they didn't make the playoffs last year. They were one of the most exciting five-on-five teams. And I think sometimes they get docked a little bit in people's minds or sort of how we talk about them because they don't really have that traditional superstar, right? right? They don't have, like, the guy who's on the marquee on the top of the poster mm-hmm. who's making Max Domi. $12 million a year, right? <laughs> like it. it's it's That's the, basically, I guess, uh-huh. their, their, their best forward or, or how – or I guess, like, the – the biggest star, the right? You have, you have Shea Weber and you have Carey Price there, but just purely on the forwards. Mm-hmm. And I think for this team to take that next step and make the playoffs and make a run and really realize some of this potential, it does seem like Jesperi Kotkaniemi is probably like their best hope in terms of what they have right mm-hmm. now of like the guy who can take that leap. And I'm not saying he's going to become a superstar, but really like what he showed in his rookie season, especially in the limited usage and how good he is defensively. And then that goal he scored last night where he just waited out Petr Mrazek yeah. and, and roofed it on him. I mean, if he can take his game to another level, um, it feels like he's probably their best bet to be that sort of go-to guy mm-hmm. that can really carry a full line for them. Yeah, and I think you're right in your point of him waiting out the goaltender. Like, I watched that goal, and I think that's like that's not a rookie presence. Right. Like, veteran knowledge of the game is knowing when to to make the, the first move or wait it out for the goaltender and I think you're right in that fact that I was surprised I had to like double check he's like 20 years old yeah. like having that vision already is incredible so you're right it's just about <laughs> I keep coming back to this about being able to develop your players with without pushing them too early and mm-hmm. I don't think that the Habs have a chance at making a Stanley Cup run but we look at other teams that have come out of the woodwork and I think maybe the fact that they don't have that one name that's going to be that person that they're putting all that pressure on they can almost be an underdog I don't put my money on them being the underdog but they can live under that we don't have a lot of pressure on us I mean well tell that to the market well that's true so those fans listening might be coming at me but I just feel like no one's looking at them this year being like ah they're my sleeper pick you know I think they could fly under the radar and make a lot of progress and and as you said 
there's a lot of teams ahead of them, but there's such a long season. Look what the Blues did. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I mean, you know, you clearly have Toronto, Tampa Bay, Boston ahead of them in some mm-hmm. order, but it feels like even just Florida, based on all the money they spent this summer and their, and their signings, so. it feels like they're they're kind of thought of more as being kind of that next tier behind those mm-hmm. three teams, and, and Montreal's lurking, and... You know, Claude Julien gets a lot of credit for all the stuff he's done over the course of his uh, coaching career, and I, I think he is one of the league's better coaches. And I love the adjustment he made yesterday. He had Kakanami playing with Drouin, and I think that's sort of the perfect fit. Drouin was probably their best player in that game. I was just about game. to say, he came out of, like, the woodwork last yeah. night. He had been... <laughs> he'd been getting it in the press right. from his own coaching staff. Yeah, there were a lot staff. of trade rumors that they were exactly. looking to move Exactly, and I think... It's interesting if you if you look at how that might inspire a player. I think it might have worked, or obviously his pairing there. But I think he drew and had one of his best showings in a while. He had a kind of a dull end of the season last mm-hmm. year, but how he played last night is what you want from him and yeah. more. So I think you're right about maybe putting him with the right players. Sparks that, makes him feel a little bit more included on the team, makes him feel like, okay, I'm not going anywhere. I can help change the face of this franchise and – a year or two, but I, I think it did make it a huge impact immediately watching him last night with that matchup. Yeah, he's so dynamic. I feel like, I mean, he has such a wide range of outcomes. Like when right. he's at his absolute best, you're like, this guy's one of the better players in the league, and he, sure. he, he's a threat every time he's on the ice. Or and he can be sometimes totally you're just like, is he even playing tonight? <laughs> is and, he in the lineup? Right. I know, and that that's upsetting. But I think for for Montreal, like they do have the depth to be okay with that in mm-hmm. a sense. I, I think based on you know them trading Mikhail Sergachev to get him and then the contract they paid him and the market he plays in and and it's never going to people are always going to be like wanting more from him and and they'll never just be like oh just let's embrace the fact that when he's good he's good and when he's not we have other guys to step up yeah exactly but um, he does provide that kind of dynamic game breaking element to them and I imagine there's a lot of you know it's always tough to know how this works for players in terms of um, if you're a center or you think about yourself as a center, especially if you're an established player in the league, <laughs> you don't want to get you, but there's like, it's like a point of pride in mm-hmm. a way, right? Like I give Claude Giroux so much credit for this, where so late in his career as established and as productive as, as sort of decorated as his resume was, he acknowledged that maybe bumping off to the wing and letting Sean Couture handle a lot of the defensive responsibilities yeah. was good at that point of his career. And he handled it in stride uh, with a ton of class and it's, was like a mutually beneficial mm-hmm. relationship for both those guys. And with Druen, I, I, I know there was a lot of like, is he a winger? Is he a center? What is he going to play? And, I, and everyone wants to pencil those types of guys into the center role because it provides more value for your team. But watching him with Kotkaniemi, because Kotkaniemi is already one of the best player mm-hmm. defensive players in the league, I think. And for a player of his age to, to be able to say that is remarkable. It allows a guy like Druen to just like do what he does best and not ha- know that there's like a safety valve behind him that'll do a lot of the dirty work. And so I imagine there's like that level of like trust as well, where if you're Druen, you're probably like, oh, this is great. I get to just have fun with the puck and, and you know, try to score. And exactly. if not, I don't have to worry about all the other elements. Yeah. I feel like it's so easy to think that being demoted, I'm using quotes from center to wing can be a negative experience. And I've personally done that. I've played center my most of my life and then put on the wing. And I remember being like, oh, well, I hate yeah, wing. What did it's I do wrong? A, yeah. It's such a lazy position. And then you realize like, no, man, I this, get is, score? this is a sweet setup, but yeah. I'll get the, my centerman to do all the work. And then, I mean, you can focus more on your production as a winger. And I think if you can get rid of the fact that you don't need to be the, the third floor low, you don't need to be helping the D as much. Obviously, you're kind of responsible for your defense mm-hmm. and then getting the puck out and flying down the ice like you're in just better position to make an impact yep. 
And obviously, I I would much prefer to play center because you feel like you're more in control of the game. But in the end, if you're put, getting put on wing for Druin, like he's like he, you're right, he's got to be pumped about that situation. He's got to capitalize on it though, because if not, what like where else can we put you, man? We can't put you in net. Can't put you on D. Like this is where you're gonna be, and you yeah. have to make an impact. And I think that that is good. And if you look at his speed, you're going to be better utilized when you're not wasting all your energy down in the corner and then getting the puck and then trying to fly down the ice with these young guns. You need your young gun to be able to get from the end of the zone and catch up with you when you're at the red line, right? So I think that's a a bold, good decision. I mean, probably sucked for him at at the time, but if you look at it, start racking up points, right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That's what he's paid to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, let's do some, let's do some of these overreactions then. Love, love that. <laughs> um, here, I'll, I'll start us off. Okay. With one. The Penguins. Oh, what happened? <laughs> are not going to make the playoffs. Yeah. Now that's that, 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 that's my you. like that's my like talking head like really? radio radio guy voice. Okay. Yeah. I don't actually believe that necessarily. Mm-hmm. I mean, I listen. There was a lot of buzz. I feel like it was kind of the trendy pick this of off course. season to be like, this is the year the Penguins I've don't seen make the before. playoffs. <laughs> You know, the Hurricanes are there. The Caps will probably still be good. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, a lot of these other teams with the Devils, the Rangers, the Flyers, um, they all improved this summer. And and so everyone kind of wants to break up the status quo and bump one of those teams up. And who's Mm going to come down? And the Penguins seemed like the logical fit. And my pushback was, if you have Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Chris Letang in your lineup, I get the depth concerns, but those guys are Mm -hmm. so good, especially how good Crosby played last year, that it probably won't matter. Maybe you won't win a cup. But True. just to get to the playoffs, I feel like those guys are good enough to get you there. But they got absolutely embarrassed by the Sabres they sure on did. their home ice in the season opener with those guys, presumably all healthy and playing. And man, you don't, it's only one out of 82, but considering that's all we have to go off of right now, like mm-hmm. that was a pretty, pretty bleak scene in, in Pittsburgh. I don't think you're too far off by saying that they're, I know you may not believe it, but make the playoffs. But if you just, yeah, they have Malkin and Crosby and like, they're getting old. Yeah, I, I'm sad. Sad to say it, but the league is getting so much younger. And you look at these teams that we're talking about having a chance. It's because they're adding these young gun power superstar forwards that are. Ha- Brandon having... Tanev doesn't do it for you. No, he doesn't. <laughs> but you just look at like I. I would never take away from what they've achieved. These older superstars in the league, but it it is becoming a younger man's game. And I don't know if they can keep up with that. I mean, I thought Murray had a really great game. Yeah. 38 I mean, he saves. kept that from being like an oh, embarrassment. It could have been yeah. 5-1. Yeah. But you can't just rely on that. You need Malkin and, and Crosby yeah. at minimum to do more. I think they got like one or two scoring opportunities all game. Like, yeah. That's not good enough. Um, And obviously, I don't know what to expect out of Buffalo. They're a terrible place to be. But... You never know, like if they can beat Pittsburgh in Game One and feel that ride that wave. I don't know. It's just it was devastating for Pittsburgh, but it is just Game One, so yeah. you can't give them too much um, to I don't know, cry about. But right. I think you're right. Like I think they need a little bit more depth up front. Well, they definitely need more depth. I mean, I thought Malkin played better. There was a lot. Um, he was their only. He was the only guy, kind of guy. that that was that felt like he was dangerous on mm-hmm. the ice for sure. Um, and you know, especially after last year where he had. Uh, a relatively down season based yeah. on his own sort of lofty standards mm-hmm. and then the buzz about the rift between him and Phil Kessel and sort of how he was excited yeah. to come back and play this year. And so, and so I think that was encouraging that Malkin looked healthy and sort of motivated mm-hmm. and, and was dangerous. Uh, their blue line, I mean, beyond Chris Letang, that 
that Justin Schultz, Jack Johnson pairing, which was getting a healthy workload of minutes for them, just got absolutely eviscerated. I'm going to give you some stats here because that's yeah, what we do here on, on the Hockey PDO cast. So it's like 47 minutes worth of five on five time in that game. Mm-hmm. Buffalo outshot them 32 19, outscored them 2 0, and the high danger chances were 11 1. So Pittsburgh managed one, as you mentioned, one scoring chance at five on five in <laughs> so bad. forty-seven or so odd minutes, which is just crazy. Like yeah. the, the especially since they were down for most of that game too. So like you would figure that just based on score effects, they would be kind of, you know, going for broke a little bit, maybe mm-hmm. sacrificing some of their defensive responsibilities to try to get up the ice as quickly as they could. And there was just none of that. And maybe we need to give more credit to, to Ralph Kruger and the Sabres. Like, uh, you know, it's easy to sort of uh, make hey, fun of man. how bad <laughs> last year was for them down the stretch. But they made a bunch of changes to their roster this summer. Um, they brought in a new coach, and we'll see if it translates to anything. But for the time being, we do need to give them a bit of credit here as well. It's it's always, right. it, we, we, we always kind of always do the thing where it's like, this team sucks or, mm-hmm. or this team played poorly. It's like, well, maybe some of the stuff the Sabres were doing was kind of making it difficult for the Penguins to to get out of their own way or kind of get the wheels moving. It is easy to hate on a Buffalo, especially in this market. That's all you hear is people wanting out of Buffalo and people not enjoying themselves in Buffalo and all the downfalls that are happening there. But, okay, you've convinced me. I can give them a little bit more credit. Obviously, they were able to shut down some of the best players in the league or have been the best players in the league. So I will watch Buffalo with a little bit more optimism mm-hmm. after that game. But I still think that they're not where they should be. And I feel sorry for some of those players on that team. But maybe a new coach is able to shake things up. I think that's always like an interesting situation as a player coming in, having to reform a relationship with a coach. Or maybe your your expectations of your impact is different because the coach sees you in a different role. So sometimes that can be a really beneficial swap in the off season and come in with a new, I don't know, a new face. It is, it's a clean slate. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Maybe I should give them a clean slate then. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> we all should. Um, okay. I'll give you, I'll give you another, maybe this isn't an overreaction, but mm-hmm. I had, I went into the season sort of acknowledging that in the Pacific division, it was going to be like Vegas, San Jose, Calgary. And I was really high on Vegas. Maybe after one game, I wasn't high enough because I th- I thought they were the most impressive team that I watched. You're a huge Vegas through fan. these first two games. <laughs> I just watching them. It yeah. feels like they're playing a different sport than a lot of these other teams. Like as much fun as I, as much fun as I thought uh, Montreal, Carolina was, for example, that mm-hmm. we just talked about earlier. There's like a certain crispness to how Vegas plays that is kind of unmatched. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know whether it's the talent level and the personnel, whether it's the coaching, whether it's a combination of those two, the system, but it just feels like when they're humming, it's it's they're like doing this like performative dance. It's not even it's not even hockey. It's, 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 it's beautiful. I know it's Vegas. <laughs> it is so fun to watch. Like the passing is so crisp. East, west, north, south, moving it up the ice. Um, and now I know Eric Carlson wasn't playing. Mm-hmm. Evander Kane was suspended. Um, Kevin LeBanc and Timo Meyer both got hurt towards the end of that game, but. Vegas themselves, I mean, they lost Nate Schmidt early in that. That's right. uh, Jonathan Marshall so missed some time and, and looks like he's a bit banged up. They didn't have Alex Tuck and Cody Eakin, so it's not like they were 100% either, mm-hmm. but just those top two lines um, and sort of the identity of that team, like think back to year one, what made them so successful and towards the end of last year, it was that kind of like tempo and that sort of just team approach where it's just line after line. You're not, you're not having any time to breathe or rest up. Mm-hmm. And so 
I don't know, like as a player, I'm sure it's kind of has, has this like snowball effect, right? Like if you're playing Pittsburgh, it's scary knowing that Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby right. are going to be coming over the boards, but you know that you'll have like a couple shifts there with yes. the other guys to either take a breather and relax or to do some damage of your own. Whereas with Vegas, it feels like it's just this like tidal wave where you're just like, oh my God, like we cannot take a single shift off. A hundred percent. I would say it's harder to play against a team that's maybe just like middle of the pack, but balanced than against a team that has one crazy good line and then a little bit of a drop off because you're line matching. You're putting your best players up when you can, but if you're playing against Vegas, you're right. It's honestly like you're just getting pounded and pounded after every shift because they're very evenly matched and they have a lot of like young talent that honestly, like what we were talking about with this before, Cody Glass, for example, new face, it's like first NHL game. How are you supposed to know how to how to play against this guy? And he comes in and makes a huge impact in his first game. And I feel like Vegas is having a lot of unknown players that are going to make mm-hmm. a huge impact there. But playing against Vegas, it's fast. They're, your dynamic is the perfect word as you use. I don't know, but your acrobatic <laughs> images of them. Yeah. But I think dy- dynamic is 100% the way they play. And they're fast. Like their their possession from the goal line out to the far end is so quick. Like I think they can move the puck up the ice faster than most teams. It's definitely difficult to play against. And I mean, they only played that one game against uh, San Jose. Obviously, that's one of the best blossoming rivalries in sport. And I I'm very excited to watch them play for the rest of this. I don't know, couple of years. They're gonna hate each other, but the bad blood there makes it even more exciting to kind of be a Vegas fan or or. A bandwagoner as myself. <laughs> well, l- listen, I know um, <clears throat> San Jose beat him last year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it kind of oh, re- reflected a, a, a bit of a divine intervention <laughs> and a sequence of events that we'll mm-hmm. probably never see matched again. But I think especially with all the players the Sharks lost this summer and sort of how they're thinner, or I guess their margin for error is smaller now, just that they have less of that depth. Vegas does f- and does end with the speed. I feel like Vegas feels like a very bad matchup for them right now. And, and so... San Jose probably is in these games going to have to sort of resort to right. some of this, like some of these post whistle shenanigans and trying to get Vegas into this sort of like rock fight between whistles. Sure. Because if these teams are both just skating and playing at their absolute best, I I don't see how San Jose can keep up with them as currently constructed. Yeah, I think you're right about the bad blood. You got to you almost got to pull Vegas off their game yeah. right away because you know that they have the upper hand in speed and in depth. So you're going to look for a cane. Well, he wasn't in the lineup this time, but someone like that. To, mm-hmm. You just provoke them, push their buttons a bit, and then maybe you take a top player out of the lineup for five minutes or a game misconduct. And I think that's sadly what San Jose might be resorting to now because, as you said, they lost a couple of players and their depth isn't there. But it'll still be fun to watch. Oh, it'll be a blast. <laughs> I mean, uh, I really just enjoy this Vegas team. Even on the, on the penalty kill with uh, William Carlson and Riley Smith, they're always just creating chances and they're just getting odd man rushes on the penalty kill. Their penalty like, kill is almost this? better than most people's power plays. I know. It's ridiculous. And you mentioned Cody Glass. He can just step up and fill mm-hmm. in a role there and, and playing with – Two guys like Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone certainly makes that transition that easier helps. for a rookie. But I'm kind of curious, just in terms of overreactions, whether it even is an overreaction at this point to, to suggest that Mark Stone could be a legitimate candidate to win the Hart Trophy this year. And he's got a lot of things going for him in the sense that I think Vegas is going to be one of the best teams in the league. They realistically could win the West. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a lot of that sort of um, 
kind of narrative or buzz about, uh, you know, after the trade getting out of Ottawa, um, how much better he made Vegas sort of. There's like a bit of a, uh, not an overreaction, but a pushback to the fact that wingers can't win the Selkie. So now yeah. everyone just always makes a point of how good and how deserving Mark Stone is defensively. Mm-hmm. But then on this team, on the power play at 5-on-5 five five playing with Pacioretty, he will get the points as well to be near the league leaders. And they're using him in the Ovechkin slot right now in the left circle on the power Oof, play. And, and so we already saw him score a goal there. He set up another for Cody Glass's first career goal. And... So if he has the points and he has a defensive acumen and he's on one of the best teams, it really feels like it's like kind of that perfect storm of a hard trophy candidacy. I truly hope so. Because last year I thought when he got his trade to Vegas that there is potential for that type of recognition. But I think now he's got a full season ahead in the same spot. He's obviously acclimated to this new team. He's out of Ottawa. And what he did in Vegas in a few short months is just a taste, I think, of what we're going to get from him, which I'm hoping because he's one of my favorite players to watch. And I feel like he's going to take that team to that next level. And and he has already, but just imagine the growth he can have there, especially now that they've got him in in Ovi's spot, trademarked. But he's just, he's so good and and i think underrated until now we're starting to realize like holy this guy's a machine well okay when you're watching a guy like him what what makes him so effective especially defensively because i feel like our definition of Mm -hmm. good defense in hockey still leaves so much to be desired like a lot of the best defenders are i guess like your job is to make sure nothing's happening so if nothing's happening and we can't see it with our eyes Mm -hmm. just because of your good positioning it's kind of tough to like quantify that or, or sort of point that out. But like with him, I wouldn't say he's like the most physically gifted player mm-hmm. in the world. Um, he's not the most dynamic. He's not the best skater. He doesn't hit the hardest. He doesn't shoot the hardest. But it feels like he just like does everything well. But like just in terms of your own definition mm-hmm. of of um, of playing defense or of hockey IQ is like a common term right. you hear thrown out. How do you define that? Like what are you what are you looking for when you're watching a player to see like that they do have that hockey IQ, which Stone seems to have. He definitely does. And I think a couple of reasons why I would say that he's one of the best defensive players is it's not just, as you said, being in the right place at the right time, or I think he uses his body really well. I think he isn't the biggest, as you said, isn't the strongest, but when he goes into a play, he's not leaving the play without that extra effort. And he can take people off the puck that he shouldn't um, just because of his size, but his work ethic, I think he's one of those players that is never going to back down from a battle or he's not going to give up if he goes into the fight and he's a smaller body that is huge and, and I think the fe- the team feeds off that as well if you see someone that just gives their all at all points on the ice like forecheck back check if he's up on the point battling it out against a defense like I just feel like he has that extra level that he can go to which is hard to notice if you're just looking for who's got the puck on their stick it's what he does away from the puck, which actually makes him a more valuable player in my sense. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when he has a puck, he's so dynamic and right. he can make anything happen. But it's watching someone, how they play when they don't have the puck is the kind of the definition for me for hockey IQ. And his is one of the best because he just can read. He's one step ahead of the game. He knows what's going on and what's going to happen, and he's he's there. Yeah, it, this sort of like coronation or, or kind of like – because you have this elite tier of players clearly with, you know, McDavid and Crosby and mm-hmm. Kucherov and Ovechkin. And, and it's a lot of these guys that have like been there for a while now and everyone just sort of accepts that they're in that sort yes. of higher tier. And it's really rare 
for a player that's been in the league for a while to, to kind of make it in there to take that next mm-hmm. step before our very eyes and make it in there like legitimately both in terms of um like their play warranting it but also people just widely accepting it exactly. and now that um he is playing on a bigger stage with more sort of relevancy or a bigger spotlight mm-hmm. on him um surrounded by better players it does feel like it's not even like a hockey hipster or sort of niche thing anymore to be like Mark Stone is one of the best players in the league. Right. It, it feels like now. it feels like people are just like, yeah, like it's it's there where no no one's really debating that. You know, he's truly earned it. And you're right about a lot of these other players. They're toted to be the best player yeah. from you either. Know, you're like the first overall exactly. pick or, or you've just led the league in scoring. Like, exactly. And I think he's done an amazing job at not kind of buying into that and saying, I'm going to change the narrative and. I don't care if I'm playing for the Ottawa Senators and maybe not getting the media coverage or the attention and our team isn't successful and now he gets a trade and it wasn't even just because of Vegas. I think it's just his like overall growth as a player mm. and I don't know many other people that we can kind of put on that same pedestal to have kind of grinded it out to be one of the best players in the league. You, he, he wasn't always that gifted from the start, right? Yeah. He's worked his butt off, yeah. really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he didn't really have the pedigree, and, and he's uh, pretty much every year just gotten better and better and added different layers to his game. What um, what else were you seeing for the first couple of days? What Do you have any overreactions of your own or any hot takes or any, any hmm. stuff you noticed? Hot takes. Putting me on the spot. Well, on, no, you know, I have a couple notes here. Let's do a Leafs one. Okay, Leafs one. I think Tyson Berry's unreal. Yeah. And I had never really paid much attention to him, I'll be honest. Obviously, Leafs market, we don't see many uh, games from over on the other side of the coast. But I thought his debut was awesome. I lo- I, I'm i not a defense, but I played D growing up. So I feel like I have a little bit of a, a liking to offensive defensemen that can make things happen. And he's really high risk, don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. Some of these plays, like toe-dragging through offensive players' legs, it's scary, but he makes it happen, and he's so fun to watch. I really enjoyed his his first game for the Leafs, and I think he was a huge pickup. and And we don't talk, we didn't talk about it enough, I think, because we were worried about all the contracts issues in the summer, yeah. and we got a couple quieter things that happened like that. But I feel like he has surpassed expectations in game one and imagine comparing him to Gardner. Like I think we made the right choice there, Leafs Nation. Right. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, he slots in to sort of fill that role that was a part mm-hmm. of by Gardner. They're different players. Like right. They, oh, um, he's definitely more of a risk taker and, and I think adds a bit more of a dynamic element. I mean, I still think with this team, a lot of the questions that were there before still persist. Mm-hmm. Like, they, you know, they beat the centers. They took care of business. Yeah, it, it was a bit sketchy there for a while. It was. But, I mean... Listen, they they beat a team who's leading uh, ice time getters for forwards were Artem Anisimov and Tyler Ennis. So um, uh, I think they just sort of did what they were supposed to do. There were definitely some, let's say, defensive lapses or or habits you saw there where there's a lot of uh, open space. It Mm -hmm. felt like it was a bit of an all-star game at times. And one of the teams didn't have the uh, the finishing ability of most all-star teams. So they weren't weren't scoring a lot of goals. But yeah, if you're playing that way against Tampa Bay... Uh, you're probably going to be coming out of that with five or six goals again. So that's something that they need to shore up. But you're right. I mean, there was a lot of made about Cody Cece and sort of how um, he would fit in his New Jersey and new landing spot in terms of playing with better players, whether, um, you know, he'd have a bit of a clean slate now playing for a different team. Mm -hmm. And 
it took him 25 seconds to uh, to reward us with the most Cody CC yeah. play ever, which was somehow losing Brady Kachuk right in front of the net and getting boxed out and letting him have one of the easier goals he's going to have in his career. And that was sort of the thing. Like I, we were talking about in the office before mm-hmm. the game, and the question came up of like, because everyone's aware by now of the Cody CC's draft pedigree and right. how sort of hockey men talk about him and think about him versus mm-hmm. the reality of sort of his underlying numbers. And it stems back to that hockey IQ argument for me where you watch him and he's like, physically, he looks like he should be really good. Mm-hmm. He's a big guy. He skates fast. Um, he has like flashes of skill sometimes with the puck. So you're, you're like, oh, you put that all together and this guy could be a good player. He just like doesn't really seem to understand where the game is going. You know, we talk about how a Sidney Crosby or Elias Pettersson is actually mm-hmm. one of my favorite examples of this. He sees the play like two plays ahead. He's like, he exactly. knows where the guy's going. He throws him open like an NFL quarterback. Cody CC is like four plays behind. He's like, oh, that guy, oh, I was supposed to be there. Oh, and you're like watching, you're like watching the Oops. wheels move. And mm-hmm. when he has the puck, it's like, it's like he can either skate or he can handle the puck. He cannot do the both at the same time. It's like, it's like the hockey equivalent of like walking and chewing gum. Exactly. Like he cannot do both. Or it's that equivalent of like when you pat your stomach and like your head yeah. at the same time. You can't your do Your brain both. like you can't doesn't have the synapses function. to pull it off. And I think it's so, you're right. It's so easy to rip on Cody CC, but you didn't give much opportunity to say positive things after that debut yeah. and that 25 seconds in. But you can't teach hockey IQ. I feel like it's something you can teach structure you can teach systems mm-hmm. you can teach this is how you are going to do our power play breakout this is how we want you to box out but if you can't put it together on the spot under pressure in a fast pace the game is getting faster and younger you're gonna be exposed like you were and that's exactly what happened to cody cc and that's something that is reoccurring with him and you're right he has the body like right. he's got the pieces and yeah. he just can't put them together like in a puzzle piece and, it, and it's very difficult to watch because it's not like he's a write-off on these other categories. Like he has maybe 80% of the things you need, but that big 20% missing is the most important. It's a crucial 20%. Yeah. Holy, like it's almost like he's been dropped from another sport. Yeah. Like he's an amazing X player of something and we've plopped him into hockey and said, oh, it'll translate. It doesn't translate. Yeah. He does feel lost out there and, and okay, maybe there's, nerves playing against the sends and it's your first debut in the least but no, no i've seen that enough times yeah i can't that. give him that like it's i'm trying to make an excuse for him but it's very difficult because i just ugh. that's a great descriptor he he plays hockey like someone who has never played hockey right before. but sure you're in a good athlete yeah. maybe you understand the game yeah it's like it's like if you put some of these twitter personalities that know so much about hockey mm. sure there's people that have amazing yeah i physically cannot do what he can but then you plop them on the yeah. ice and that's kind of what yeah. cody see it's so sad to say but it's kind of like sometimes what i feel like when i watch him there's moments where you're like ah yeah but then there's moments where you're like ah hmm, well that's well. the thing it's been happening this discussion's been happening for a couple of years now where people are like you know give a time he was picked 15th right. overall mm. like he's still like 24 25 years yeah. old it's like yeah, but he's played over 400 games in the NHL right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that hockey IQ sort of either you have or you don't is such a salient point because you can watch as much tape as you can as you want. You can be coached up. You can uh, sort of know, like, when you're in the locker room, you can know, like, where you're supposed to be. Exactly. But then the game is happening so fast that it is like a read and react sport. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not sitting back and and having the benefit of the doubt of taking your time getting there 
And a lot of these times it just kind of boils down to this like raw instinct of moving to the right place without necessarily even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And for him, he just like, he lacks that one very, very crucial element to his game, especially for a defenseman. Right. Um, because it just leads to so many breakdowns where you're like, he's in the vicinity, but his like his stick isn't on the ice or he's not getting the body. Or like or, if you're boxing out, you have to box out. You don't stand behind the player and watch them yeah. put the puck in the net. Like, like, but he like it was like literally twenty five seconds in, Brady Kachuk just makes a beeline towards the net and he just like he like I could see it happening him. as it was progressing, like on a frame by frame basis. <laughs> he's like slowly getting edged out, and then all of a sudden you look and he's like just behind him. I would rather you take a penalty, yeah. knock the guy on his butt or whatever, like t- lift his stick and just, I don't understand how you just stand behind him and watch it happen. So like it's interesting you say he's had 400 games in the NHL. Like that is a huge fact that needs to be known. Like he is young, sure, but he's not that young. Like I watched on the Montreal side last night, Kale Fleury, mm-hmm. is that his name? Yeah, yep. Kale Fleury had a debut. First ever NHL game, I think. Unreal. Like the guy had, yeah, sure, he's a young a young pup, mm-hmm. he's he's still got getting his feet wet in the NHL, but he's got the hockey IQ. Like that's the difference. He was able to make plays under pressure. He's able to carry the puck out of the zone. He was one of Montreal's best defensemen, and he's young. So there's the difference there. Like he's got the hockey IQ to be able to make decisions under pressure that Cody CC still has yet to find, and maybe will never find. Which mm. is sad to say, but well, I'm sure just based on where he was drafted, teams will keep giving him a chance. Right. So. That seems to be his. Silver lining. Yeah. Um, okay, let's rattle through a couple of more of these then. Okay. Jets Rangers. Jets um, Rangers. They were a fun, that was a fun game to watch. That a lot was. of goals. Um, I think what we saw in that game is it's not an overreaction to say that that's probably going to carry over for the rest of the season. I hope so. Um, the Rangers are going to be probably like the, the best good bad team mm-hmm. where I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to win many games. They're going to be involved in a lot of shootouts, uh, <laughs> similar to the Blackhawks team last year, I think. Poor Henrik Lundqvist, uh, another forty-plus save win for him, and I imagine there's going to be a lot more of those Can in his near future. Can he sustain like a whole season like that? Like he's. It'll be tough. I mean, last yeah. year he started off really strong, and mm-hmm. then I think part of it was also psychological of like they're trading everyone away, and and yeah. they're not trying. At least this year, like this is the team they're going to have. Mm-hmm. So I think there's like a a re- refreshed energy or like an excitement to this team, which I'm sure is nice for him, Definitely. but. Yeah, the play in front of him uh, still leaves a lot to be desired. I think Mark Stahl was still like their second most used defenseman at five on five as they were nursing that lead, and so you know that's rough. Yeah, no, well, Truba. I mean, that was that was a a storybook sort of debut against his former team. Uh, The goal he scored was beautiful with a bar down shot from the point, and he was moving the puck well. Yeah, no, it was it was great, and and he's going to be. It is a bit ironic because I think part of why that relationship deteriorated for him uh, in Winnipeg was a frustration with all the players that were being put in front of him Mm -hmm. on the depth chart and him feeling like he deserved to play more minutes and he's going to get as many minutes as he can handle on this Rangers team. But it's it's ironic because if he had stayed on the Jets, he would also get as many minutes as he could handle because their blue line is right up there with Detroit, I think, for like the thinnest blue lines in the league. Oh, yeah, they lost a lot. And now they don't have Bufflin at this point, right? So it is really... Shaky on the back end for the Jets, but Truba I think made the most out of his debut. It's got to feel good to go out there and kind of crush your old team and have a huge hand in that. But you're right when you go back to saying the Rangers are going to be one of the good bad teams mm-hmm. to watch. I I cannot get enough of Rangers Devils talk. I'm excited to watch them play. I think it's brought life to those teams that were kind of 
forgotten. Floundering. Yeah, floundering is a great word. I think having obviously the first and second draft picks respectively is, is going to help you, but it's just brought new light to that franchise on both sides and, and how they're going to kind of make their rebuild successful. Yep. And I even think Panarin, obviously his debut last night, I think he got a goal and an assist as well. Like you're going to bring so much more energy to your fans. You may not win in the next couple of years, but I, I can't say that those fans are not going to enjoy selling out Madison Square Garden for 400 bucks a mm-hmm. night and enjoying the atmosphere that's going on. And then it's just like what we were talking about before with the Canes and having the fan base on your side. Anything can happen, right? But yep. I, I think that was a really great game. So much back and forth action. And hopefully we see more of that. But I mean, a couple more wins for the, for the Rangers this year than last would be a, a step in the right direction. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I'm just trying to like rattle through a couple more of these mm-hmm. games. I mean, Caps Blues, it, it feels like forever ago now because it was an opening oh, night yeah. and we've already had a full night since, but it was a, a good reminder of uh, Alex Ovechkin is still an animal. Um, so that's the one note I had written down. Ovi is a machine. Like 24 minutes, goal, five shots on goal, 16 attempts, nine chances, four rush attempts. I mean, he's just – he's a he's a robot. He's, a, he's the Russian machine who never breaks. I mean – <laughs> and I, if anything, I think maybe like that extended offseason a bit for him where they went out in round one mm-hmm. um, and he wasn't, you know, drinking and doing push ups and fountains. Like, I think uh, it, did, it did it did well for it did good for his body. And he looked great. He looked uh, like the Ovechkin we've known and love. And, and so at this stage of his career and his age, like you always worry that the guy's going to show up and he'll still have the same nameplate, but he won't have right. the same skills. And he definitely at least start start the year, but those are like concerns. He ages to backwards, right? I know it's crazy. I mean, his hair is getting grayer and grayer, but he's looking he's, old, but yeah. he's not playing old, and that's all you got to ask for him. No, the production's there. And the other one was, um, in terms of living up to the hype, uh, the Abs in the first game. I mean, I that rematch, the, the rematch against uh, Calgary. Mm-hmm. The tempo, the power play. Like I, I watching that game. I thought David Riddich actually played remarkably well, and I, whatever he gave up four goals against or whatever mm-hmm. i think anyone if they just look at the box score they'll be like oh i don't know probably like a 900 save percentage will be mm-hmm. like oh like calgary's goaltending is gonna let them down this year right. i thought especially on the power that. play like colorado could have easily had like four or five For extra sure. goals there i mean the puck was just moving up around the ice um it seems like everything mckinnon does is at an unparalleled pace like there's such like a frantic nature to it's like it's so jittery and mm-hmm. stop and start and I imagine being a defender against that you're just like you never know what definitely where he's gonna go or what he's gonna do and on on the one power play goal of Miko Ranton and he just like sucked the entire defense in and he like looked like he was gonna shoot and then all of a sudden he just flips it all across the ice and Ranton is like by himself and has enough time to make himself a peanut butter jelly sandwich and then put it <laughs> in the back of the net and so I mean. Colorado lived up to the billing. I don't know if they're going to live up to the billing as a legitimate Stanley Cup mm-hmm. contender just because of how tough the Central Division is. But in terms of being a really good team that is incredibly fun to watch, um, you know, put a check mark next to them for that because it certainly looks like they're going to live up to that. Yeah, Avalanche would be one of the my favorite teams in this just the first couple games in the preseason. I'm a huge fan of Kale McCarr. I can't say it enough. I like obviously as a college hockey player someone that can step into that. Yeah. I relate to that. I think he's got such a bright future, and I'm a huge fan. And he obviously took over the spot of Tyson Berry, I thought, pretty well in the power play. Their power play looks better than last season, and it was one of the best power plays last season. But without without 
Barry, they've added Makar, and then they have Kadri. Mm-hmm. And it was actually like they what they got a couple of power play goals, but the, even the ones that they didn't capitalize on, yeah. they looked dynamite. Mm-hmm. And Rantanen, pff, worth every penny, worth all this all the suffering this summer for fans. Like I, I think he came out and and showed, hey, I'm here for the long haul, right. and and this is what I'm worth. And it was. A, awesome debut and I felt a little bit confused about how Kadri would play into it all and he was obviously bummed out about his trade but a fresh face a fresh franchise to play for and I think he he showed pretty well that first game yeah and he fits a perfect need for them mm-hmm. down the middle there where it allows to take some of the pressure off these guys like JT Confer and Tyson Jost yep. and not have to do it all right away behind McKinnon so um yeah I think that just like we said at the time like I think that barrier for Kadri trade is a win-win for both teams kind of fills a need and and it makes a lot of sense based on how they're designed so listen i um i really just i'm i'm enjoying the nhl season being back before these coaches do sink their claws into this and really dumb it down and and, <laughs> and make it less fun like enjoy these first couple of weeks there's so many good matchups and, and let's give the nhl credit like we it's easy to dunk on the nhl their website's bad they make dumb decisions bad the, way they, the way they handle stuff diversity like mm-hmm. everything like the NHL is behind the times mm-hmm. and backwards sometimes as, as the, an organization and the way it's run. The schedule maker has knocked it out of the park this year. He I mean, did. we get Sharks nights, um, back-to-back games. Um, you know, you get this rematch of Colorado uh, versus Calgary. You get Jacob Truba versus former team. You're getting, you're getting, we're getting treated to all the matchups we want to see early on, and so that makes it fun. I mean. Listen, we we missed NHL so much after the summer that like we would take any games for sure. Um, so you know beggars can't be choosers, but the fact that we are getting treated to some of the tastiest matchups is really nice. So it all goes downhill from here, right? <laughs> it's yeah, the entertainment value will drop and then it'll peak again. Right, comes the stretch run and the postseason, and you know it's got it's, it's got its peaks and valleys, but right now it's definitely one of the peaks. Um, all right, let's uh let's get out of here. So plug some stuff. What uh like where can people check you out? What do you got uh yeah. what do you got on in terms of the workload or the agenda? I mean, it's gonna be a busy fun season here at Yahoo. What are you up to? You know, yeah, I'll plug some stuff. Uh I'm here at Yahoo full time covering the NHL. It'll be fun. Cuthbert's covering the Leafs, so we're kind of covering the rest of the league. Mm-hmm. So that'll be great. Um I guess I could plug some women's hockey stuff. Yeah, so let's I'm do a it. part of the uh Professional Women's Hockey Players Association. So our league, I played for the CWHL last year. It folded, and we're kind of banding together to try to create a better opportunity for youth growing up and to dream to play in a professional league. Yep. So for me, there isn't a league right now that's sustainable that I can make a full-time living wage in and right. and be supported in many various assets. So we are going on a Dream Gap showcase tour where we're playing in various cities across North America and and raising awareness. And so far it's been a huge success. And I feel really positive about the change that we can make. You know, it's not for next year. We're not asking for NHL money. I think that's a common misconception that women's hockey players just Just want asking for sustainability. Yeah, we just want a sustainable league that can grow into something that when I have kids one day, like if I have a young girl, she can be like, I want to be a pro hockey player. And I'll be like, yeah, you can do that. Mm -hmm. But right now that isn't a possibility. And it was only the Olympics and only how many people make that, yep. right? So that's what we're I'm a part of, and it's really positive, and I feel like I'll look back on this one day and be like, damn right, I was able to make a yep. huge change for women's sports and not just women's hockey, but professionals, you know, in the industry in many facets, so. Well, that's awesome. I mean, there's definitely not many people out there that can say that they were kind of part of an important yeah, change like that. Yeah, I and hope so. so. Um, 
so where where can people check out like some of the schedules or, or, yeah. or like or how they can help out in any way? Sure, we have um there's actually a showcase tournament happening this weekend in New Hampshire. So if any of your followers are from New mm-hmm. Hampshire, there's Oh, we have a bump in following in New Hampshire. Damn, that's, that's, all right. Yeah. I went to school in New Hampshire. Nice. So I love that place. Um there's a weekend there. I obviously won't be there. Then there's a Chicago showcase tournament. Um, it's actually put on by Billie Jean King's foundation. Nice. So she's a huge advocate for women's sports, as we know, with her tennis um, passions and her career there and making it sustainable for female tennis players. So she's putting that on in the end of October. And then to be continued, there'll be some in the new year. We haven't announced those dates yet, but um, obviously back in the GTA would be great. But we may be hitting the West Coast. I can't mm. tell you all the details, but we have an account uh, at PWHPA, and that's on Twitter and Instagram and We'll be posting all that, and then my own stuff is at my handle. So yeah. I'm always sharing and always engaging the conversation. So would love to be able to have more advocates and people that are just allies. Like, you don't need to be a woman's hockey expert. Right. You can just understand, like, kind of what our purpose is. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like it, it, information is key here because I feel 100%. like there's a lot of people who are misinformed. And, and, and I don't blame and, them. Yeah. It's hard to find that information. It's not that accessible, and that's kind of part of the – the change we're trying to make is put us on the same, you know, level yep. of, of access. That's all. <laughs> well, excellent. I'm glad we got to do this. This was a blast. Thanks. Um, Me too. Next time I'm in town, we'll definitely do this again. And uh, yeah, to everyone out there listening, enjoy the first weekend of the NHL regular season. Um, it's going to be a blast. And uh, yeah, strap in. It's going to be a fun ride. The Hockey PDO Cast with Dmitry Filipovich. Follow on Twitter at Dim Filipovich and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash hockeypediocast. Mm-hmm.